Desmond Ritter is one of several Falcons that's going to have to step up if the Falcons want to extend their win streak from two games to three. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, everyone, to another illustrious episode of the Locked on Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of Locked on Sports Atlanta, your team every day. And if you don't know me, I'm your very humble host, Aaron Freeman, just a podcaster out there. Been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at falcfans.com, RIP, but still going strong on this podcast that's giving you that lowdown each and every day. And if you want, to be close to my heart during this holiday season and become an everydayer and make us your first listen or your first watch each and every day. All you have to do to become an everydayer subscriber, follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episode as soon as it is available. So today's episode of Locked on Falcons is a all 22 review of the Jets game, but we'll focus mostly on the upcoming matchup against the Bucks rather than, you know, we'll use some sort of observations that I made in this Jets game as a way to talk about this upcoming matchup against the Bucs, you know, as sort of discussed with Allen, not a whole lot to take away from this Jets game. It's like, you know, they did what they needed to do. And we'll talk about some of the challenges that they may face against the Bucs if the run game is not there, if the defense is, is a little nicked up and how that's going to create problems for them. But the theme of today's episode is going to be, you know, a lot of players this week are going to have to step up. They're going to have to play better than they did against the Jets, right? And that starts with Desmond Ritter, right? I thought Ritter had an okay game. I thought he did a solid job managing the game um, on Sunday against the Jets. Um, you know, he, he did what he needed to do, but I think he's going to need to do more this week. Now, the thing that stood out, and we discussed this on yesterday's episode with Alan Sterk uh, of the Falcoholic uh, talking about this game, was, you know, Ritter played a clean game, right? Now, Pro Football Focus did not chart him with a turnover-worthy play this week. Of course, he did throw an interception that was nullified by a penalty. As far as I understand, PFF does include nullified plays in their data set. So I don't think they counted that as a turnover-worthy play. And I, I think that's a fair assessment, right? As Alan discussed on yesterday's episode, as I kind of mentioned on Sunday's episode, and sort of confirming that watching the film, uh, earlier today, I would not have considered that a turnover-worthy play, even if it did result in an interception. I don't think that was a poor decision or a poor throw by Desmond Ritter. It wasn't a perfect throw by any means, but it wasn't a poor throw by him. And I think, frankly, that was an interception mostly due to what Alan said on yesterday's episode, which is Kyle Pitts not necessarily playing the ball right in the air. I've seen some people questioning his effort. I don't like doing that. I'll just say he did not have good ball tracking skills on that play. There was another play later in the game where they tried to dial up a deep shot to Drake London, and London didn't necessarily, quote-unquote, finish the route either. So maybe that's something we'll explore further on the extended All-22 review um, for the Locked On Falcons insiders. But for the most part, I, I would say Ritter was fine, right? Kind of a middling game for him in terms of what we've seen so far this year. But I think when we look ahead to this upcoming Bucks game, he's going to have to do more, right? And he played well the last time we played the Bucks. if you exclude the, the turnovers, the three fumbles that he had in that game. But we're going to need him to play well and, you know, or no, if you ignore the fumbles is what I should say. And now we're going to need him to not actually 
actually to actually exclude the fumbles this week and not have those turnovers, right? And also play well. Um, and I feel like this is going to be the type of game where this might need to be the first 30 burger of the season for the Falcons. We'll break down some of the reasons why I think that is later in the episode. But we know the Falcons formula the last three times they played the Bucks, all three times with Ritter, or no, two of those times with Ritter as a starter, one of those with Mariota has been being balanced and being committed to running the football, right? That if you factor in even quarterback design runs in those three games combined, the Falcons have run the ball 96 times. They've thrown the ball 96 times, right? And I don't know if they'll be able to maintain that sort of balance on offense, especially with the injury to Caleb McGarry uh, that we'll discuss later. Um, and I also don't think the defense is likely to keep a lid on this Bucks offense to the degree that they did last time when they only gave up 13 points that I think this is going to probably be potentially a higher scoring affair than what we um, have come to expect from the Falcons this year. And so I, I kind of need Ritter to kind of, you know, my expectation is Ritter is going to have to kind of carry the offense, right? Kind of like he did against Houston, but that week they only scored 21 points. And I think you're going to need more than that this time. So this is kind of the game where I think this upcoming Bucks game, I think is going to be kind of the game where we're going to need Desmond Ritter to break through it, right? Not only have the clean performance that we saw against the Jets, which we rarely seen, and we need to see that continue for the rest of the season, but also he's going to have to be kind of the engine behind the offense because I'm not convinced the running game is going to be that, but I will break down why I lack that confidence in the running game due to the Kayla McGarry engine uh, or injury uh, as we continue today's Locked on Falcons. Now, maybe you're like me and you struggle this time of year to find the right gift for your loved ones. And I think the solution may be Skylight Frame, right? It's the perfect gift for everyone on your wish list, whether you're shopping for grandparents, you're shopping for new parents, new uh, family, friends. Skylight is a touch screen photo frame that you can send photos to straight from your phone and they appear in seconds. You can even preload photos before the box is even open. It's a great group gift since that you can invite multiple friends and family members to share photos on the same frame. It's effortless. Thanks to their free and easy to use skylight app setup takes less than a minute and it's going to look beautiful in your home. Thanks to that crisp HD resolution in what looks like a real modern photo frame as a special limited time offer for our listeners. You can get $15 off your purchase of a skylight frame. When you go to skylightframe.com slash locked on, get $15 off your purchase at skylightframe.com slash locked on. That's S K Y L I G H T F R A M E.com slash locked on. So uh, before we continue today's episode, talking more about the concerns about the run game and some of the reasons why the run game was not as effective against the Jets. Um, I want to plug the innovative and iconic Locked On Podcast Network. We have started up the first 24-7 streaming channel with Locked On Sports Today, covering all the leagues, all the sports. Check out Locked On Sports Today, that 24-7 streaming channel, to get all the scoops on all the biggest sports stories uh, around the the world, I guess you could say. So um, talking about this upcoming Bucks matchup, as I said earlier, I'm not as confident the run game will be as supportive as it has been in recent outings against Tampa Bay, mostly due to the expectation that Caleb McGarry is going to miss this game with him reportedly suffering an MCL sprain uh, in that early in that Jets game. And, you know, the last time he had an MCL sprain, it was labeled a quote-unquote minor one, which was early in that 2020 season, and he did miss a game after that. So I'm going to assume that he's going to miss at least one game 
possibly more, but we'll, we'll just sort of play that one by ear. But, you know, while the Falcons were effective running the football against the Bucs in week seven, they weren't efficient, right? You know, but they were committed to it. Like, I think they ran the ball or they handed the ball off like 32 times in week seven and had a success rate of about 41%, which is slightly below average, right? But the the main way that the Falcons run the football against the Bucs, and I've noticed it the last couple of times they played them, is by running outside, right? And it makes sense that given arguably the strength of that Bucks defense is the interior with Vita Vea and Levante David and, and Devin White, that you wouldn't want to run to the strength of that defense. You want a run away from it, which is running outside. And I'm concerned because I don't know if you can run as effectively outside without McGarry and with Storm Norton in the lineup, right? You go back to the Jets game. One of the reasons why the Falcons late in that game weren't able to salt away the game like the way that they had done against Minnesota and against the Saints with basically running out the clock late in the game, like with seven minutes ago, the Falcons got the ball back and they ran the ball three times all to the right side, which is normally their bread and butter with, you know, Storm Norton in the game. Um, in all three plays, Storm Norton missed his run blocking assignment. Um, I won't blame all of the plays on him, but you know he missed his assignment on all three plays. So clearly, he was not doing his job. And you know, I think you're not going to be able to rely as much on Storm Norton to run the ball effectively with McGarry out of the lineup uh, as you could. And even in a world where McGarry was healthy and was going to play, I, I still don't think you have that in your back pocket because he's dealing with a knee injury. And it's going to affect his ability to generate power. It's going to potentially affect him in pass protection. But we're, you know, we're focusing on the run game at this point in time. And so we know that the bread and butter of this Falcons run game is running to the right side behind Lindstrom and Gary. I don't think that's going to be as big a strength as it has been with Norton in the lineup. And so maybe that means you run more to the left. But the left side has not been great this year. You know, Matthews has been meh as a run blocker. Bergeron outside of the Saints game has been pretty meh as a run blocker. So in the same ways that you're going to need Desmond Ritter kind of step up, I think you're going to need several other players on your offensive line to step up, right? Especially on that left side, if you're going to still run to the outside. Now, one thing that the Falcons might do, they might run the ball more on the interior because Levante David and Devin White did miss the Bucks' recent uh, win to the Panthers last week. I, you know, there's, we'll find out more uh, probably tomorrow on the crossover on, on their status this week. But as, as far as I know, their, their status is up in the air whether or not they'll play in this game against the Falcons. And if that's the case, maybe you're not as afraid to run it up the middle, right? Now, you're still going to have to deal with Vita Vea, right? And he has his own gravitational pull in the middle of that defense. So you're still going to need your interior guys to, to step up in some way, even if David and, and White are out, and it makes it easier to run up the middle. But you're still going to need guys to, you know, block, uh, you know, a literal planet uh that is Vita Vea. So that's going to be a challenge for the Falcons. So you're going to need your offensive line with McGarry's absence, basically long story short, to step up. Everybody's going to have to step up. The other four guys and, and certainly Storm Norton hopefully will play better than he did uh against the Jets as a run blocker. And then so when we talk about why the Falcons running game wasn't as effective against the Jets, that's one of the reasons, right? I won't say it's the only reason, but it's one of the reasons. Um so We'll see if the Falcons decide to run more to the interior this week against Tampa Bay, or do they still insist on running to the perimeter, right? Um, and, you know, typically they tend to rely on their stretch run plays, their crack toss plays, sort of staple outside zone run schemes. And I don't know with Storm Norton in the lineup, you can rely on that as much. And so maybe that means we see a healthier mix of jet sweeps, of end arounds, reverses, those types of plays that are designed 
to get the ball into the hands of players like Scotty Miller and B. John Robinson, you know, on the perimeter, as opposed to just handing the ball off to the running back in the backfield. So maybe we'll see more screens or other quick throws to the perimeter as a way to supplement the run game. If you're not going to be as balanced as you would like to be by just simply, you know, handing the ball off and running the football that way. So we'll see, right? It's the idea of, you know, if the goal on early downs, you know, with running the football is to get four to six yards and keep your offense on schedule, does it really matter if you're, if you can get four to six yards on early downs throwing the ball, does it really matter? You know, it's that idea of of trying to use that quick passing game to kind of supplement a run game. So I'll be curious to see if the Falcons try that more against the Bucks than they have in recent outings. Um, and this may be a game where we're talking about Arthur Smith's play calling that's pushed to the front and center, right? His scheming, all those various things. Cause I do think if, and when McGarry is out this week, as I suspect he will be, um, that he's going to have to do more to sort of scheme around some of the deficiencies in this offense, especially on their offensive line, given that I'm not super confident that we'll see those guys step up in the ways that they can. So can the scheme kind of mask for the fact that, you know, those guys aren't going to dominate this game to the degree that we thought they could. But again, we saw it two weeks ago against the Saints that they did dominate the game. So they're, they're going to have to have that fire lit under them again this week. So it, it's possible that they can do it. It's just we haven't consistently seen it this year is, is the point I'm trying to bring. Uh, so we'll see if Arthur Smith's scheming can supplement a rise in effort and execution from this offensive line to hopefully hope the, the run game can do something to take some pressure off of Desmond Ritter in a passing game. But speaking of scheming, let's talk a, a little bit more about Ryan Nielsen because there are going to be some challenges with his scheming and his play calling on the defensive side of the ball, uh, given some of the injuries that the Falcons are going to deal with. How do they match up with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin this week? If AJ Terrell and Jeff Okuda are nicked up, we'll break that down as we wrap up today's Locked on Falcons. So guys, prize picks is the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. And now that basketball season is here, I love that prize picks has unveiled their specials league, which is a league devoted to combining projections from different leagues, different sports, right? Two or more players, right? For example, on Tuesday night, you can combine Milwaukee Bucks guard Damian Lillard with New Jersey Devils forward Jack Hughes on combined assists and shots on goal. And if you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with prize picks. It's simple to play. Just pick two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats. And the more entries you make, the more money you can make up to 25 times your money. There's quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and enormous selection of players and stat types. It's why prize picks is the number one daily fantasy sports app. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL or use code locked on NFL in lowercase for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use promo code locked on NFL all in lowercase. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. Now, guys, the weather might be getting colder, but the NFL offers stay hot over at FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $100 in $50. I'm sorry, in bonus bets with a winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. And if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. It's an app that's easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. If you want to bet the spread for the Falcons' upcoming matchup, there are two and a half point favorites over the Bucks at home this weekend. Maybe you're not interested in the NFL. Maybe you want to bet college football playoffs. Maybe you feel some type of way about Michigan being favored over Alabama or Texas being favored about Washington. Whatever you want, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to stay warm and cozy this winter with all their hot offers. FanDuel is an official partner of the NFL. 
So wrapping up today's Locked on Falcons episode, and for those of you, uh, we'll plug the Locked on Falcons insiders. If you want to join the uh, subtext uh, and become an insider and get access to that extended all 22 review, the link is in the description below. Uh, we'll plug that a little again at the end of today's episode um, as well. And of course, tomorrow we'll be doing a crossover uh, Thursday with uh, Locked on Bucks host James Yarko, and we'll get more insight into some of the Bucks injuries issues as well as the Falcons own injury issues. But, you know, I think one of the challenges that the Falcons are going to have to face going up against this Bucks is the Falcons defense versus the Bucks offense, right? That, you know, covering their weapons, you know, we know Mike Evans, we know Chris Godwin would be a problem for this secondary to cover as they have been so frequently over the years, even if the Falcons were fully healthy, right? And so that only gets ramped up with the the injuries potentially. And I know, you know, maybe one of you guys snarkily in the comments is going, you know, well, you know, AJ Terrell being out with a concussion um, is, is addition by subtraction because he got cooked by Mike Evans last week or last time we played the box. And it's like, you're right. You know, it wasn't a great AJ Terrell performance, probably his worst performance of the year uh, this year uh, in terms of that matchup. But, uh, you know, cool it with the snark. There's only one snark king here on uh, this podcast. So cool it with that, that snark. But, um, you know, I think the reason why AJ Terrell struggled in that matchup was because Mike Evans is just too physical for him. And so if you replace AJ Terrell, with um, Clark Phillips, you know, I don't think that problem is going to go away when you have a corner now that is four inches shorter and, and 10 to 15 pounds lighter than AJ Terrell is, right? If if Mike Evans is too physical for a 6'1", 195 pound corner like AJ Terrell, I think he's probably going to be too physical for a 5'9", 180 pound corner like Clark Phillips. Um, now, one solution to the Falcons problem could be maybe you put Jeff Okuda on Mike Evans because Jeff Okuda is much bigger and uh, and, and sturdier, I guess you could say. Um, and you know, that would be an interesting wrinkle. Akuda did play really well against Chris Godwin in that week seven game. He kind of locked him down in that game. Uh, but you know, that doesn't factor in that Jeff Akuda might miss this game, right? You know, he hurt, I think his ankle or his leg, some injury in his leg on the final series of the game. Now we're going to spend the rest of the episode talking about him as if he's going to play. Uh, but at this point in time, that's kind of up in the air at this point. So we'll see potentially tomorrow when we get uh, an update on his practice status. But, you know, asking Jeff Okuda to to lock down Mike Evans could be a tall ask, given that he hasn't played particularly well the last couple of weeks, right? We saw him kind of struggle against Chris Olave against the Saints, and he also struggled in this Jets game. Now, I don't think it was because he was overmatched in, in coverage. I just think a lot of it was due to him not being a great zone corner, and that was something that we talked about on Sunday where my suspicion that Jeff Okuda struggles in this game and that seemed to be confirmed watching the the film and and charting the defense was the Falcons did play predominantly zone in this game uh, due to Terrell's absence. Now, maybe you could argue that that was the plan all along. I'm skeptical of that because I don't think the Falcons were scared of Tim Boyle's mobility to play zone in this game. Uh, But in this game, my charting said that the Falcons played zone about 81% of the time. That's the second highest zone rate that they've played this year only second behind the week seven uh, win against the Bucks, where they played zone 83% of the time uh, in that matchup. They played a lot of cover two and a lot of cover four in that previous matchup. This week, it was a lot of cover three in the first half against the Jets and then a lot more cover two in the second half against Jets. But um, when you look at this game, the Jets had nine successful pass plays against zone and one successful pass play against man based off my charting. And 
the one in man came against Jeff Akuda, and five of those nine in zone came against Jeff Akuda, right? And it goes back to something you've heard me talk about over the last month or so, really since that Bucks game where he, he locked down Chris Godwin, is that while Jeff Akuda is an excellent press man corner, he's kind of iffy in zone. And that, to me, was the case again on Sunday. Um, and we talked about it in the post-game rapid reaction where the two skill sets of Akuda and Clark Phillips aren't particularly compatible, where Akuda is this good press man corner that's kind of met in zone and Phillips at so far, again, we'll, we'll see if this changes with more reps, but so far is kind of pretty good as an off zone corner, but pretty met in man coverage. And that's a incompatible skill set in the same ways that it was kind of incompatible a decade ago when you had the similar sort of dynamic between Dante Robinson and Brent Grimes, where Dante was the good press guy um, and Grimes was the off zone guy. And the Falcons defensive scheme at that time under Brian Van Gorder, I think, uh, was more geared towards Grimes' skill set. And that was a big reason why Dante Robinson, despite being paid a lot of money, was pretty meh during those three years in Atlanta. So that's going to be a challenge for the Falcons that Ryan Nielsen's going to have to figure out. Uh, that's why he gets paid the big bucks. And I just sit here on the podcast. Uh, just talking about it. Uh, but I don't know if there's a happy compromise there because even if you decide, okay, we're going to play a healthy mix of both man and zone, every single snap that you're playing one versus the other is kind of square pegging one of your starting cornerbacks in Jeff Okuda or uh, Clark Phillips, right? That one of those guys is going to have to step up and be better. Like in this case, Jeff Okuda is going to have to be a better zone corner than he has been over the last month. If the Falcons are going to lean on their zone like they did the last time they played Bucks, If they're going to lean on their man coverage more, you know, that means Clark Phillips is going to have to show that he can line up against, you know, these two big physical wide receivers and, and hold his own in man coverage. Or, you know, the other alternative option is that the Falcons wind up starting, you know, one of Mike Hughes or Trey Flowers, which they might wind up doing if Akuda and Terrell miss this game. They might wind up starting, you know, having a rotation of all three of those guys as their outside corners and Hughes, Flowers, and, and Clark Phillips. So either way, you know, Ryan Nielsen has his hands full uh, in this matchup. Right. In addition to the concerns at the cornerback position, you have concerns at the linebacker position. Nate Lehman might miss this game with a knee injury. Right. And we've talked a lot over the year about, you know, Nate Lehman, very good run defender, but limited in coverage. And I feel like if his replacement, presumably Andre Smith, um, starts this game because Lehman misses the game, like those limitations in coverage get only dialed up to 11 with Andre Smith in the lineup versus Nate Lehman. Right. For example, the Falcons. Uh, typically pull Nate Lehman off the field in third downs when they play their dime defense and only have one linebacker on the field, right? And they probably would do that presumably with Andre Smith because you certainly don't want him out there on the field uh, on coverage downs. But, you know, if you have him out there on early downs, right, if you're the Bucks, wouldn't you just throw the ball a lot on early downs um, to, you know, take advantage of that and, and target the tight end like Kay Dotton uh, if you can get those one-on-ones with uh, Andre Smith and whatnot, where his limitations. So that's something that favors the Bucks. But you know, you know, the Bucks have been trying to run the ball a little bit more the last couple of weeks. So maybe I don't know. We'll see. Well, that'll probably be a topic of conversation for tomorrow on the crossover. But anyway, either way, all this to say, uh, before I get on too many tangents, um, you you already were facing challenges going up against this Bucks offense in your back seven, right? Even if you were fully healthy. And now you're potentially down two, if not three starters in your back seven at linebacker and corner, you know, those challenges only get ramped up is the the larger point. And so you're going to need players to step up. You're going to need not only 
your corners and your linebackers to step up and fill those voids if if they have they are forced to fill them. But also, you're going to need other players to have to step up, right? Because again, if the Falcons play zone like they did last time against the Bucks, um, you know that puts more pressure on your pass rush to have to get home at the quarterback, and they didn't really do a great job doing that last week, right? Uh, or last time they played the Bucks, I should say, uh, they were they were fine against the Jets. The pass rush was it was probably one of the better pass rushing games that they've had against the Jets. But you're you're dealing with a much better offensive line against Tampa Bay, and you didn't really affect the quarterback all that much in the previous matchup, right? That based off my charting, that Bucks game in Week Seven was the second lowest pressure rate that you've had all year long on defense overall, right? The lowest was the Saints game two weeks ago. Um, but, you know, David Onyema is coming off a really good game against the Jets. I think he was quietly dominant in this game. And you're going to need more of that against the Bucs. Uh, my recollection is he played pretty well last time we played the Bucs. Although you did have Grady Jarrett, at least for a chunk of that game, you're not going to have that. So you're going to need more than just David Onyema being quietly dominant. You're going to need more of what you saw this past Sunday from Bud Dupree and Lorenzo Carter and Arnold McKinney, who probably collectively had their best game of the year from a pressure standpoint. Uh, you need more of that against much better tackles, theoretically, um, in Tampa Bay. You're going to need more from Calais Campbell and, and you know, Contavious Street and whoever else needs to step up. Zach Harrison had a, a solid game this past week. Uh, you're going to need more from him. So all of that, you need all those guys to, to, to sort of step up and kick butt. So, th- again, continuing that theme of today's episode, which is, you're going to need players to have to step up and play better. Like you can't just have the typical games that some of these guys have had this year and expect the Falcons to put their, their best foot forward. So um, we'll see, you know, once I sit down and watch more film of the bucks, you know, the recent matchups, I'm, I'm basing most of my opinions today off of, you know, just my general familiarity from seeing the bucks play earlier this season. And of, of course, you know, throughout history, uh, seeing a, a lot more of the bucks than your average uh, NFL team besides the Falcons. Um, so, you know, maybe my opinion will, will be tweaked once I watch more of their recent games on film over the next 24 hours. And we'll break that down on the crossover, but sitting here today, right. I'm not confident that you're going to hold the bucks to 13 points again. I think it's much more likely that the bucks will double that point total, uh, based off of what we know about the Falcons injury issue and the bucks offense. Uh, you know, at this point, again, that may change in the next 24 hours. So, you know, I think for that reason, you're going to need Ritter in this passing game to step up in addition to some of the other players that are going to need to step up. And going back to what I said earlier, like this may be the game that you need your first 30 burger, right? This may be a game where you you need to win this game 31 to 27 or something like that. Um, and it goes back to a conversation I think we had on yesterday's episode with Alan Stark. They all blur together. Um, talking about weekly tests, right? Last week, your test against the Jets was don't shoot yourself in the foot and win a low scoring field position battle type of game. And you pass that test, right? Maybe not with the flying colors that people wanted them to, but you pass the test, right? And this week, your test is don't shoot yourself in the foot. You know, that's often the case, right? <laughs> like, you know, you know, is the idea, the analogy of like taking your test. Don't get your name wrong on a test, right? You know, don't don't hurt yourself uh, by not putting your name at the top of the test uh, when it comes to turnovers, right? So for this week, your your test is don't shoot yourself in the foot. And now you may have to win a high scoring shootout which we haven't really seen this team do. And it goes back to the conversation we had on yesterday's episode with Alan Stark talking about has this team turned a corner and if they can win both, you know, two different kinds of games that they may have to win this week against the Jets or last week against the Jets and this week against the Bucks, you know, that's 
that's now we can start to have that conversation of like, has this team really turned a corner? Because now you're starting to win in different ways. And that's what good teams do, as opposed to a team that can only win a very specific type of football game, which, you know, when we talk about this team as a potential playoff team, I don't, I don't want to count my chickens before they hatch. But, you know, when we talk about this team as a potential playoff team, like you're going to have to, you know, the chances of you being able to play exactly the perfect game that you want to play in January against a far superior talent or opponent is very low, right? So you're going to have to be able to play left-handed or play with one hand tied behind your back, all that stuff and more. Uh, So again, that, that will be the brunt of our conversation as, you know, these next five weeks continue, but that's going to do it for our conversation today. Um, become a Locked On Falcons insider so that you can get that access to that extended all 22 review. All you got to do is join the link in the description below at joinsubtext.com slash Locked On Falcons. We'll probably be looking at Ritter. We'll probably be looking at Storm Norton. We'll probably be looking at Akuda. We'll probably be talking about how Tim Boyle is a coward and Jesse Bates is a cheater. This is the most unfaithful human being on the planet. And I absolutely love it for it. he tried to he, he cheated on that pick six last week against the Saints. He tried to do it <laughs> against the Jets. And we'll break that down on the extended 22 review. And the Parker, Parker has the agenda is still going strong, guys. He may have taken a step back as a perimeter tight end inline blocker against the Jets. But hey, there's still some intriguing film with Parker Hesse as a fullback. So those will probably all be in store for you on that extended all 22 review. Join the link in the description below. You'll get access to that 14 day free trial, then four 99 a month after that. So basically free to get, you know, the scoop on, on, on Jesse Bates, unfaithfulness and Parker Hesse's uh, fullback blocking abilities uh, by joining joinsubtextcom subtext.com slash locked on Falcon. So that's going to do it for us guys. Appreciate it till then. <laughs> 